kind of alluded to it before, and I want to be mindful of the time uh, that we have. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and jump right into what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, and, you know, I, I spoke a little bit about gifts and, um, you know, how they can impact people. Um, you know, and, and this month is Jesus's birthday, or when we observe Jesus's birthday. Um, and, you know, during that time, it, it, uh, it's one of those recurring themes that we have that we always want to be mindful of what we are giving back to Jesus, what we are giving back to God, because this is his time. You know, we have our Jesus box, uh, and if anybody wants to go ahead and, and place a donation, we got a couple more days left on that. Um, you know, so feel free, go ahead and, and drop something in the box. Uh, that money goes to, uh, to fund our ministries that are all around the world, uh, our benevolence ministry. So please feel free to donate to that. Uh, but, you know, we, um, uh, we get into this spirit of giving and we give to each other pretty freely during this time of year. Um, and I think our perspective needs to really be, uh, really be set right. Uh, so what I want to get into tonight uh, is a little Bible study uh, talking about gifts. And um, commonly during this time of year, uh, we hear about two different stories from the Bible. Uh, we hear about the story of Jesus' birth uh, from Luke 2 when... Um, the shepherds come and they are praising him and you got the angels uh, and they're giving praise to God in heaven. And uh, we also hear about the story of how the wise men came. And uh, those two events did not happen at the same time. Uh, they actually happened uh, probably a couple of years apart from what theologians ha have surmised. But uh, there is one particular uh verse that I want to really focus on, uh, and it's in Matthew, and it's in chapter 2, uh, starting at verse 11. And that verse goes like this. Uh, it says, they entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So, I want to preach to you guys or teach to you guys from the Bible study tonight. Uh, the true, the actually bring that up, Mike. You got my title in there. All right. So I need to look for it. The true value of your gifts. Uh, and I really want to draw our focus uh, to these particular gifts. And I want to pull some things out from the scripture, uh, but let's go ahead and pray first. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time of learning. We thank you so much for this time of fellowship. Lord, we ask that you, uh, we, you take this time and that you really open our minds and our ears and our hearts to what you are trying to say to us this evening. Lord, we pray, and we pray for everyone here on the campus. We pray for our children. We pray for the youth this evening. Lord, we pray that you would pour into each and every one of us what you would have us to know. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, I think this, this particular story just kind of sticks out in my head um, because, like I said, we hear, we hear these, these two stories of the, the shepherds in the field 
and when the wise men actually come, we hear them so much during this particular time of year. Um, and, you know, any time that I feel like God is trying to talk to me is usually through repetition. So, you know, I've heard this story uh, about the wise men probably more in the last seven days than I can remember ever. Uh, having read it, uh, I've heard it on TV, I've heard it, um, you know, on the news, I've heard it on the radio, and I, I just feel like God has really been pointing me back to this for a particular reason. Uh, so I sat down and I, I, I've been studying it and, and pretty intensely, uh, you know, over the last couple days, and uh, there were some things that kind of jumped out from this story at me uh, that I wanted to share with you tonight. You know, uh, these wise men, these wise men are speculated to have come from really far away. Okay, it says that they came from the east, and um, these these men they probably traveled uh, what would be the equivalent of about 900 miles to come from the far east to uh, uh, where Jerusalem was. Okay. And they came to Jerusalem, and initially they went and they spoke to King Herod, okay? And uh, what's interesting is that after speaking to King Herod, uh, there is a, a particular verse in Matthew chapter 2 that says that uh, Herod was greatly distressed, or he was very concerned uh, upon hearing the news that they brought about this king that was born in Bethlehem, okay? And... It's funny to me because his initial concern soon spread to all the people in Jerusalem, okay? Uh, and it says that everybody had heard about this event. And my guess is that these wise men, when they came, they, they were a pretty big entourage, okay? They didn't travel light. They brought treasure chests uh, from what uh, the scriptures tell us. And, um, you know, they came, they they made this announcement to the king that they were searching for the newborn king, okay? And he sends them out, and he says to them, when you find him, come send word so that I can come and worship him too. Um, you know, and, and what's interesting to me about this is that this was a prophecy that had been foretold for many, 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 many years, okay? So much so that these wise men that came from the east it's speculated that they came from Babylon, okay? And this is where the Jews were enslaved uh, back during the time of Daniel, okay? So Daniel was actually one of the, the wise men in Nebuchadnezzar's court, okay? And he would have known about certain prophecies that foretold about this coming king, okay? So it's not a far stretch to believe that these wise men would have traveled from so far away to Jerusalem in order to pay homage to, in order to come and worship, based on news that they had heard from many, many years ago, okay? So these men, they traveled from a great distance away. They traveled, they spoke to the king. Word got out from the palace that quickly spread throughout Jerusalem. But here's the thing. Even though these men came and they were non-believers, and they spoke about a prophecy that obviously the Jews knew about, okay? Why is it that only they went to bow down? They went to worship. They went to bring gifts 
to this newborn king. Everybody else knew about this prophecy. These men came saying that they were following a star or a great light and that they were coming to worship this king. The Jews heard about it. They were afraid. So they made the, the six-mile trip from Jerusalem down to Bethlehem to find the king, and nobody else followed. Why is that? Nobody else followed. It was just them and their entourage. They went, and they went and bowed down to the king. They went and worshiped Jesus. They went and presented him with gifts. Okay? So this got me to thinking. It's like, well, if that's the case, and there was not, uh, uh, there was not a widespread feeling of joy, there was not a widespread feeling of elation, okay? When these guys went and they presented these gifts, you know, I thought, well, obviously they, they must be coming and they must be bringing something of value. And, you know, you look in, in the, the Bible verse here, and it's, it says that they came and they presented gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, gold, I mean, we all know that gold has value to it. You know, gold, if, if you look today, uh, gold is valued per ounce at roughly around $1,100 per ounce. So if you had an entire pound of gold, it would cost about $16,656, okay? And, you know, obviously it, it's something of great worth. It was back then, it is now because it's a precious metal. Okay, we get that, fine. Uh, but frankincense and myrrh, okay? How many people, just by a show of hands, know what frankincense and myrrh actually is? Okay, how many of you actually know what the value of it is now? Okay, how much, Jimmy? Frankincense. Okay, small bottle of 12 bucks, right? Okay, so, right, right. Uh, but, okay, so about $30 a bottle for the myrrh, about, uh, about $12 a bottle for the frankincense. Okay, okay, so is it safe to say that, you know, you get about eight ounces of it for about that much? Okay, so this stuff was more highly valued back then in Middle Eastern culture than it is today, okay? So back then, it would have been roughly the equivalent of about $500 per pound if we're talking about the frankincense and about $4,000 per pound if we're talking about the myrrh. Right. Right. So it had a high standing value uh, that we just don't appreciate today because we can get it so easily because there isn't a high demand for it. Okay. So we don't value these things nearly as much as they did. And one of the things I realized when I read through the story was that it's really easy to gloss over the fact that there was three things of value there and not just one like we would see. It. Okay. So, you know, I got to thinking even further, you know, how, if, if it's so easy for, uh, for us to look back at this story and kind of glance over it, you know, the fact that there was so many things of value that were given, then 
it must be real easy for the layperson who doesn't know much about the Bible to just kind of glance at that stuff and be like, okay, whatever, big deal, okay? So, you know, I, it, it brought me to this, this one question that kind of sticks in my head and, and keeps, uh, keeps tapping me in, in, in the forehead, and it's like, well, why is it, or if these men who were non-believers knew to bring something of value, if they knew to bring something of value, what are we supposed to bring when we know the true value of who Jesus is? We know the true value of what he's done for us. We know the true value of what his right standing in the entire cosmos is. What are we supposed to be bringing to God? What are we supposed to be bringing to Jesus as a gift? Okay? You know, and, and I think for a lot of people, um, it's very easy to think about that question and then kind of make a transition and say, well, I could never give a gift to God, uh, you know, after all that he's done for me. You know, and it, it's, it's kind of silly to think about uh, the fact that, you know, people would even consider it that way. But I think a lot of times people do that in their head somewhere. They say, you know what, God's just given me so much. I can never outgive God. You know what, try. Like, really, try. Because at the end of the day, God isn't so much interested in what you can do for him so much as you're trying to do something for him. Okay, and we're actually, we're actually going to see that in um, we're actually going to see that in a story a little bit later on. But um, one thing that I, I think that we need to do first is we need to understand that God's already given us three tangible things that uh, uh, we can choose to focus on in terms of giving back to Him. Okay. We all know what these are. I mean, if you guys have been coming to Bible study on Sundays and Wednesday nights, you are very familiar with time, talent, and treasure, okay? Um, now, what's interesting about this is two of these on here, you can't even fully quantify, okay? And that's your time and your talent. So, like, how many people in here know when they're going to die? Silly question, right? Okay. Nobody in here knows exactly how much time that you've been given, so you can't even fully quantify how valuable your time is because you don't know how much time that you have left. That's the only way that you can fully quantify it if you know how much that you have left, if you know how much you have in total because it's only then that you can start to assign true value to it. And this is why life is so precious. This is why life is a gift that should be really looked at as a privilege, not a right. But so many people look at it as, look, I'm here. It's my right to be here. Yeah, okay. Uh, when are you checking out? Do you know? When are you going to check out? Because unless you can tell me when you're going to check out, mm, or unless you have some control over when you're going to check out, well, yeah, I don't think you really respect the time that you have unless you can do that, okay? The second thing is talent. Now, 
The reason I say you can't really quantify talent is because in order for talent to be quantified, you actually have to use said talent. And your talents are always being developed. If you are learning anything new from day to day, you're picking up new talents as you go along in life. Okay? So where you were 10 years ago isn't the same skill set that you have today if you've been growing. Okay? If you've been learning. If you've been putting yourself into the word. If you've been seeking knowledge. If you've been seeking understanding. If you've been seeking wisdom as it says in the Proverbs, okay? So the talents that we have, when we go to use them, oftentimes, like, you know the talents that you're probably gonna use on your job, okay? The, the skill sets that you're gonna use on your job. But a lot of times when we talk about the talent in respect to the kingdom, it is a direct reflection on God and how they represent God and how they represent the love and how they represent the change that he's made in our lives. Okay? So, if we look at uh, the gift of encouragement, like I know for a fact when I see Joyce at work and I see her joking with one of the patients and I see her uh, trying to, to speak life into people who may be depressed, I know that that's a gift that she's been given by God, and she's using that talent right then and there in that particular moment in time, okay? But we have to seek opportunities to use the talent that we have or else we miss the point, okay? It's not just enough to have and possess a talent so much as it is that we use it to the glory of God, okay? So don't ever think just because you have talent means that you're a great person because here's the deal. You could miss the opportunity every single day between now and kingdom come to use said talent and impact people's lives. Okay? And then there's treasure. Uh, treasure's pretty simple. Um, you know, it, it is truly talking about the things that you possess. Okay? And I'm not just talking about monetary things. I'm talking about your car. I'm talking about, uh, you know, the, the money that you have in your pocket. I'm talking about... Uh, the watch on your wrist, uh, I'm talking about the phone you have in your pocket. How are you using those treasures that God has entrusted to you, that God has made you a steward over to give glory to God? Okay? So these are the three areas that are, are tangible uh, areas in which we can give something back to God. Okay? And we can also pour into people. Okay? So these are the things that I want to uh, kind of focus on uh, as we move into this next story. Um, because I, I think in a lot of ways, people look at time, treasure, and talent, and they use the, the, the tithing model as the basis for how they're going to spend their time, how they're going to spend their talents, which is kind of silly to me, and then how they're going to spend their treasures. Um, and it's like this, look, look, okay, you can sit here and say, all right, there's 16 waking hours that I have within the course of a day. Eight of those hours are going to be working, you know, an hour out of that day, I'm going to be traveling to work. So I really only got, you know, what, uh, seven hours left, which I can actively serve God. Some of that time I'm going to be spending with my, my family. Some of that time I'm going to uh, you know, be trying to watch my favorite TV show. So I have to figure out in the course of a day how much 10% uh, of that day is going to be. And look, 
you're just complicating things far too much, okay? And I think if you do that, you will miss the point. You're going to miss the point, okay? Now, there's a particular story in the book of Mark uh, that I want to share with you guys from Mark 12. And uh, we're going to read through that story, and then I, I really just want to pull two points out of it um, and then kind of expound upon those things because I, I think it's a really, really, really rock-solid way uh, of identifying how we ought to be giving, okay? So let's take a look at Mark 12, uh, starting in verse 41. It says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. Verse 44, it says, for they have, they have, oh, excuse me, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. So, like I said, there's two important lessons that we can learn from this poor woman. Uh, about giving in general. You know, and I don't care whether or not it's your time, your talent, or your treasure, okay? Uh, the first thing first is that our giving ought not be measured in terms of some set amount, okay? Because if you think about it, right, this woman, she gave two pennies, right? Or, or what we might call two pennies. She gave two coins. It doesn't say uh, what their monetary value was. But just by inference from the way that we read the story, what the Pharisees gave was greater than what she gave, uh, or at least in total amount was greater than what she gave. Okay? But when you look further into it, you see that when you really did the math, she gave in direct proportion to what would have made her broke. They gave a tiny portion out of their surplus, out of what was extra. They're not even talking about out of you know, their main income. They gave out of what was extra and they gave a tiny proportion out of what was extra. She gave everything. She gave everything. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's so funny because, like, knowing the heart of the Pharisees, they would have probably looked at what she gave and looked straight down their nose at her and said, oh, yeah, is that all you can offer? But... Jesus looked at what she gave and saw everything else that came along with it because she gave herself into nothingness. She gave in a way that was totally sacrificial, okay? Which leads me to my second point. 
our giving should always be generous and should always be sacrificial. Now, I, I, I truly believe that when this poor woman gave, she gave in direct proportion to not only her love, but her trust for God in that situation. She gave knowing that she was going all in and that there was only one thing that was going to get her to the next day, and that was God. She gave, and she said, you know what? I don't care what this is going to cost me today in terms of a little bit of pain and, and discomfort in my belly. I don't care what this is going to cost me in terms of not being able to find lodging for tonight. I don't care what this is going to cost me in terms of my trip to the market next week. No. She gave, and she said, you know what? All I got is this, but truly, all I have is God, so I'm going to give it anyway. And she went all in, okay? How many of us in this room right now can say that that's the way that we've given in the last week, in the last month, in the last year? How many of us can say that? I mean, that's a pretty, pretty bold statement that she made with that one act. But God saw it. Jesus recognized it, and I'm sure that there was a blessing for her because of that. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that we should go sell our homes today, uh, go sell everything that we got, uh, come pour it out on the altar as much as pastor would love it, Okay. <laughs> Uh, and then do that, um, you know, because I, I think as much as this story illustrated how much that she loved and she trusted God, I think the bigger point here was the fact that she gave something that was truly of value in terms of gaining something that was of more value. She traded up. She didn't trade down. She wasn't losing anything in her mind. She was gaining everything because of what she was willing to sacrifice. You know, and I think a lot of people, uh, they don't make that switch in their head because they are so focused on what is this going to cost me? versus what am I going to gain from this? And that's the reason why they don't give more of their time, of their talent, of their treasure. Okay? And I think one of the things that we really need to focus in on is that when we give generously and sacrificially, we need to be giving with respect to how much we truly value our time, our talent, and our treasure, okay? Because here's the deal. God knows how much you value all of those things anyway. And if you value them more than you value him and what he can do for you, and he has provided those things for you already, he can easily blow on those things and they'll be gone. That's the real truth. He can easily make those things go away. 
But not, of, not enough of us think about that part of the story. We are so focused on what we're going to lose by giving this up versus what we're going to gain by giving this up. And that's where our focus really needs to be. It's only then when we establish that value in our heart for what our time and our talent and our treasure can do for the kingdom that we can glorify God. And if we don't, we will miss the point every single time. And that's not the heart in which God wants us to serve him. You know, uh, I think about, um, think about the story of David, uh, King David, when, uh, uh, I think it was in First Chronicles, when he had sinned against the Lord uh, by taking a census of, uh, uh, of Israel and how God, in response, sent a plague that killed 70,000 people throughout the land and uh, was poised to destroy Jerusalem as a result. Uh, and it was only upon hearing from an angel that David got the word that he could give a sacrifice for that sin and uh, make atonement for it, uh, that he went and sought out a man by the name of uh, Aruna, I believe was his name. And uh, he, he comes to him and he says that he wants to buy his threshing floor and he wants to, uh, wants to buy some, uh, some bulls to be sacrificed uh, after they've erected an altar there, okay? And Aruna in turn uh, says to him, as the king, he says he wants to give him all those things, okay? And he says that, uh, you know, he wants to provide all the, the, uh, the bulls and the threshing floor at no cost to David. And David in turn to him says this. Um, he says, I will not sacrifice something to the Lord which has cost me nothing. What are you willing to sacrifice for God in a spirit of generosity? In terms of your time, in terms of your talent, in terms of your treasure. Those are the things that we really need to focus on during this time of year when gift giving is so prevalent. And when there is such an emphasis on exchange of gifts. Because if we miss the point that he is truly the birthday boy and we don't go above and beyond from a generosity standpoint and we don't do something that is sacrificial, we miss the point. So usually when I come up here, uh, <laughs> I, I give you guys some sort of challenge. So uh, I guess I should do something like that now. Um, Here's my challenge to you. We are about to head into our time of uh, corporate prayer and fasting in a couple weeks. I want you to give some deep concerted uh, and heartfelt prayer and thought to what you are going to sacrifice 
What are you going to give generously of? I mean, obviously, we can give generously of our time and be here 21 nights in a row uh, and call that sacrificial giving. But if it's not done within the right heart, again, we miss the point. So here's the challenge. I want you guys to, and gals, uh, to give some thought and take those thoughts to God in prayer and ask God, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to do? Uh, what would you have me to pray for? What would you have me to offer in terms of time, talent, treasure uh, during this time and even moving forward? You know, I, I think we get so wrapped up in gift giving during this time of year because it's, it's, uh, it's so prevalent in mainstream society, but the truth of the matter is we need to be doing those things every single day. We need to be sacrificing our time and be on our knees in prayer every single day. We need to be sacrificing our time and making sure that we read the word every single day. That needs to be our discipline because that sacrifice and that obedience to what God has already said we ought to be doing is mandatory. That's not extra. That's mandatory. So that's my challenge to you. Uh, I want you to give some serious consideration to what are you going to be offering three weeks from now or two weeks from now, whenever the 11th is. Um, because those are the things that truly matter to God. Those are the things that he would have us to consider. Those are the things that he would have us to give our hearts to and to really commit ourselves to. Okay, And it's only when we live our lives by that commitment that we hit the mark every single time. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time of learning. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you have given us. We thank you so much uh, for the opportunity to learn what it truly means uh, to give gifts that you would have us to give. Lord, we, we thank you so much for the opportunity uh, to give out of what you've already given to us uh, through our time, our talent, and our treasure. Lord, we pray now as we approach this time of fasting and corporate prayer uh, that you would put on our hearts and that you would lead us to what you would have us to be praying for, what you would have us to be seeking, what you would have us to be disciplined about. Lord, we pray these and all things in your holy and righteous Son, Jesus Christ's name. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.